Good afternoon, everybody. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. And two things. One, if I start snoring on the air, I need somebody just to call the main desk, tell them to wake me up. Uh, I've not been sleeping well the past several days, so it, it's it's been yawning a lot. And I'm afraid I'm going to start snoring on the air. So please, somebody, those of you listening who know me, text me something. I've left my my um, I've left the vibrate on my phone on, and so my watch and my phone will buzz to wake me up. But it, it's it's been a very rough couple of nights of sleeping. The other thing is, I don't want to start in Nashville today. I'm going to get to that later in the show, but I want to start local. Uh, because this is an issue that I've been talking about a lot recently, and we're seeing it very close to home now. Yesterday, kudos to the St. Landry Parish Sheriff's Office and kudos to Crime Stoppers in St. Landry, because this wouldn't have happened without Crime Stoppers. Somebody called in not too long ago to Crime Stoppers in St. Landry Parish Uh tipped them off about a serious drug operation in Sunset, Louisiana. After an investigation, which included undercover work, which included surveillance, it included taking uh, tips and public information, talking to people, a lot of the, the, uh, a lot of the boot work that comes with investigations like these, uh, the St. Landry Sheriff's Office made a massive drug bust of a pill manufacturing operation in Sunset. That's right. Just right up the road. Small community. Sunset. Nothing against Sunset. I'm not saying that, that Sunset is the next drug capital of the world or anything like that. But keep in mind, this is a very small community. And enough fentanyl was found that if it, if a lethal dose were, get, were given out, it would kill over a million people. 1.25 million people. Um, the amount that you can overdose on is something like two milligrams. And they found enough to OD and kill 1.25 million people with fentanyl, approximately. They also found other drugs at the scene. Um, uh, illegally manufactured Xanax, hydrocodone. They found uh, cocaine, marijuana. Just a ton of stuff, but the fentanyl is a big problem. Here's why it's a problem. In the St. Landry Sheriff's Office release, and you can see it on kpel965.com, you can find their Facebook post, you can find the story I wrote about it, but they mention the address. And if you look up the address, it's at the very end of a long, narrow road. It's not a busy thoroughfare in Sunset. It's not a large neighborhood. Not a big commercial area. It's a house at the very end of a small of a long narrow street. From what I can gather, there's not a whole lot of car traffic going in and out of that house. This wasn't somebody who was distributing a ton of fentanyl to Sunset, Louisiana. In fact, what they've said in their release is that they found not only these drug materials, but they also found packaging materials. 
they found basically an industrial pill press. If you look at the picture, this is some pretty heavy-duty equipment. They found bags of Firmapress, which is the binding agent that's used to convert drugs into pills. Incidentally, you can just buy that off of Amazon. I had no idea you could buy that on Amazon. I don't know much about pill making and drugs and stuff like that. I know a little bit here and there from folks I've talked to. I didn't know you could buy the little binding agent for making pills on Amazon. That seems like something that should be addressed at some point. But that's a story for a different day. What St. Landry narcotics investigators found was a massive drug uh, drug manufacturing operation that looked like it was shipping the drugs out. It did not look like it was a place where a bunch of people were coming. There's not a whole, again, not a whole lot of vehicle traffic from kind of what I'm being, what I'm able to gather from the information. It looks like this is a shipping hub in the sunset Kankton area. Not too far from I-49, not too far from I-10. A pill press manufacturing center distribution hub for enough fentanyl to kill 1.25 million people in our country. Right here in our backyards. There is this unspoken rule in the media world that you don't write and you don't talk about fentanyl all that much because it's depressing people. And the reason it's depressing people is that more and more you're finding people whose families have been affected by fentanyl. They know somebody either in their family or in their circle of friends or or maybe one or two circles out. They know somebody who's been affected by the addiction or the overdose and death from fentanyl. And so when people start to hear about it, they frankly turn the radio off. They put the newspaper down. They don't really lock into it. And it's unfortunate. I understand why people don't want to listen to it. I understand why people don't want to talk about it, why they don't want to have these hard conversations. But it's not an issue that I can give up easily. And it's not because I know anybody who's been affected by fentanyl. It's not because I know anybody who has gotten hooked or overdosed or died from it. It's because I have two small children who go to school not too far away from where this manufacturing facility was found. And yes, there is no threat of fentanyl in our schools based from this one manufacturing plant that we know of. But the more this is being flooded onto the streets, as my kids get older, the more I worry about it. And the more we have these stories of other things being laced with fentanyl, I worry about it. My kids are too young to be dabbling in drugs right now. One's 11, one's 6. I'm not really worried about drug entering my fifth graders' classrooms. Drugs entering the pre-K classroom at school or the kindergarten classrooms at school or whatever. I'm not worried about that right now. I am worried about the problem continuing to get worse as my kids get older. I'm worried about my friends who have kids who are in that age range. I'm worried about my friends, some of whom have done drugs. 
all across the country, more and more people are doing recreational drugs. And that's probably a separate conversation from another, for another day. But this is right here in our backyard. This is a massive fentanyl manufacturing operation right here in our backyard. We don't know anything about ties to cartels. We don't know where the ingredients to make the drugs came from, if they came from China or somewhere else. We don't know any of that. We don't. We, we can't speculate on the larger tie here. If I had to guess, there's probably cartel involvement, but I don't know that for certain. I don't want to make that assumption and, and send you guys off on, on some other tangent. Right here where we are right now, there is a major issue, and that is the fentanyl crisis. We have in our country a fentanyl crisis that our government has time and again refused to properly acknowledge and deal with. At a Senate hearing today, um, Homeland Security, uh, Mayorkas, uh, he, he was asked, I mean, he, he was basically drilled by Ted Cruz on the subject of the border. And, and some, some senator, I forget which one, maybe it was Cruz, said so, or, or just attacked Mayorkas on his repeated claims that 90% of the fentanyl comes in from ports of entry. You don't know that. You can't know that. There's no possible way you could know that when there are thousands upon thousands of gotaways at the border, people that the uh, Border Patrol cannot get, who slip away through Border Patrol, who enter the country illegally, you have no idea who's carrying what. Yes, we know a ton of it gets stopped at ports of entry in the United States, and yes, we know it's coming from China, it's coming from Mexico, it's coming from all these other places, but we also have a manufacturing and distribution center right here in our backyard. Enough to kill a million people if they were all given a lethal dose. Time and again, we have the opportunity to try to address this more and more, and we keep passing on it because we get distracted by something else. What did Trump say today? What did DeSantis do today? What happened in Nashville? We, we're, now, we're now, once again, talking about the gun control thing. And yes, what happened in Nashville is a tragedy. But we have an epidemic on the streets. Time and again, we get distracted and we lose all sight of what the priority should be. The priority should be to clean up our streets. If we clean up our streets, a lot of these other tangential problems go away. But we're not doing that. It's right here in our backyard. We now have evidence of it right here in our backyard. And still, nobody seems to want to take it seriously. All right, 232-1542. When we come back, we'll have more on this and your other news of the day right here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to send, I'm sorry, if you want to call in, if you want to send a message, do it through the, as I told y'all I was tired. Thanks, Billy, for sending a message to the app. I am awake. As of right now, I am awake. Um, we did have a caller during the break who wanted to point out that the area of sunset where, where this bust had taken, uh, had taken place, uh, they, they noticed cars with out-of-state tags coming in and out, staying for a couple minutes at a time, and, and there was traffic that way. And again, being on I-49, being not too far from I-10, 
um, that 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 makes areas like this a very potential hub for more nefarious trafficking. And that's something that we do have to be aware of uh, as we go forward in trying to curb this. Now, I, I kind of caught myself there at the end of the last segment uh, saying we need to care about it more. And, and when, I, when I say we, I, to a certain extent, I mean you and me. Because, again, we, we discuss the national issues of the day. We talk about the big stories. We talk about the, the politics, the moment. But I really mean our policymakers. Our policymakers are the ones who are even more distracted by the politics of the day than we are. Because remember, the job of a politician is to get elected. The second job of a politician is to get reelected. The third job of a politician is to raise money to get reelected. And then somewhere on page two of the list of, of, job, of, of jobs that these po- the, the policymakers do, the politicians do, is to worry about the, the, the actual problems that need to be solved. And we really need policymakers who are very focused on this particular issue among some, several of the others. But we're getting so wrapped up in the discussions of the day. I mean, for God's sake, we're having another uh, a bank failure hearing today. When the bank failure, as we've discussed time and again, was a very small financial crisis limited to a very niche market of banking that was due primarily to the banks asking risky, acting risky and not really paying attention to the regulations. And yet we want to have these discussions about bank failures and runs on banks and how this could affect all these regional banks. And nobody is stopping to think that, hey, the crisis is over. No other banks have failed. But we're getting distracted by all these little things because these big warning light headlines are the things that are getting us. Meanwhile, nobody is actually talking about the fact that a major pill manufacturing facility was discovered at a house at the end of a one-way dead-end street in Sunset, Louisiana. And again, kudos to St. Landry Crime Stoppers, which got the tip I think last week and then turned around and with their investigation in a matter of days was able to pick the guy up and shut down this operation. I do have to wonder who did that particular guy piss off in order to get them to call in that tip because that is a major operation. Somebody just tipped him off on. But anyway, all that aside, we're going to take this break. It is the bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, we'll have more of the national news of the day. I will talk a little bit about Nashville that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. And I want to... Okay, I, I, I'm going to talk about the Nashville shooting at, at the Covenant School yesterday. Um... You know, I mentioned in the last half hour that uh, in in the media world, talking about fentanyl turns people off. Well, talking about school shootings and, and guns in particular also tends to cause people to tune out because it is a very depressing subject. And so I don't blame you if you're kind of tuning out here. But this is another conversation that I feel is really important to have. Yesterday morning, a girl named Avriana Patton received 
a message from the shooter, Audrey Hale. Text message. One day this will make more sense, Hale wrote. I've left behind more than enough evidence, but something bad is about to happen. She mentioned in her messages to Patton that she just wanted to die. We don't have a whole lot of information as far as motive goes for why Hale did what she did. We don't. There's rumors online that the police haven't really confirmed a whole lot. But what we do know based on this and based on the actions of Hale, this is a person who was mentally ill, was suffering some personality issues, and needed help. Now, part of this, part of what has kind of gotten me irritated today, even though you can kind of understand it from a, from a, a, by stepping back and looking at the situation, Patton called Nashville police and was told to call the non-emergency line. Patton called the non-emergency line at 1014. At 1027, Hale was shot and killed by police. The video of that, sh- of, of that incident is now available for you to see. You can see actually the moment that police engage and shoot Audrey Hale. The y'all, um, so I mentioned, you know, I've got two young kids, elementary age kids, just like this elementary school. And I do worry a lot. I don't think they're in danger. Their school is not the type of school where I, and it's not in the community where I think that this kind of thing would happen. But, you know, there's been enough headlines to make you stop and wonder. But more than that, I really and truly, and this is the broken record part, really and truly think that we have done a terrible job in this country of addressing the mental health issues in our communities. The Covenant School, it looks like, was one of at least two targets that Hale was planning to attack based on a police update. But Hale gave up on the other target after doing her own threat assessment and realizing there was too much security. She had maps of the school. She was determined to attack multiple points of the school, but was not, it seems, targeting a specific Student, it really looks like suicide by cop. It's impossible, based on what we currently know, to say for sure what caused Hale to do what she did. While police have mentioned the manifesto, the writings, the art, there isn't any information that's specific enough right now. Currently in our country, we're going, we're undergoing a mental and emotional health crisis. We're going under a social health crisis. And we're finding more social and emotional detachment in our communities. Evil isn't always a mental illness. Evil is sometimes just evil. And it's important to know that. 
it is important to know that sometimes evil is just evil is just evil. But sometimes mental illness can convince you to do evil. A friend of mine, Eric Erickson, on his national radio show uh, today talks, talked, I mean, he always talks about faith. He's an evangelist, but he talked about it today. And he mentioned something that kind of sticks with me. Theologically speaking, theologically speaking, evil isn't the opposite of God. Evil is a rejection of God. And in fact, if you think about it, it makes a whole lot of sense. When you read the Bible and you read the times that that the devil has convinced people to act against God, it was never, hey, you should worship me. It was, hey, you should reject God. It was always about a rejection of God. Anytime you see the story come up in the Bible, evil is the rejection of God. Now, I'm not an evangelical, and I'm not going to say that, the abs- that absolutely the absence of faith and religion in the country is what's causing all this. But as we've grown more secular, we have seen these problems happen more and more. The absence of faith in something other than ourselves is causing us to grow detached from the rest of humanity. Why she chose the school is unknown, other than she went there. Why she chose to murder kids is an unknown. Why she chose to purchase seven guns, take two AR-15s and a handgun to the school, go in through a side door and start firing, we don't know. Not all of the information is there. But an absolute rejection of anything higher than oneself causes you to grow detached from the humanity around you. And as a result, when we have that detachment, we see more and more people willing to take a life. Let's not just school shootings. Let's take the general violent crime that we've seen spikes in across the country. For you to just open fire on somebody else with little regard to their life or your own is a detachment, is a social and emotional and mental detachment from society around you. It is, in effect, mental illness, but it's also spiritual illness because you don't believe in anything. It is, I don't want to say nihilism It's because that's not quite accurate enough, but it's just the absence, the absence of anything to believe in is leading to this moral decay. And we can make the argument about trans and mental health. We can make the argument about guns and gun violence. We can make the argument about whatever. Frankly, I'm tired of the media blaming guns as if the Second Amendment doesn't exist. The Second Amendment exists. You've got to find a way to, fight, to, 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 to figure it out. If you can figure out how to go around the Constitution legally and make it work without just saying, screw the Constitution, screw the Second Amendment, we're going to ban this, that, or the other, okay, go for it. 
But you, you can't really do that. The genie's out of the bottle where the Second Amendment is concerned. The AR-15 is the most popular long barrel rifle in the country. It is protected under the Second Amendment. It's also responsible for roughly 3% of gun deaths in this country. Handguns are well over 70%. So we can have the debates on gun control. We can have the debates on mental health. We can have the debates on red flag laws. Or cops in schools. Again, kudos to the school resource officer program with the Lafayette Parish Sheriff's Office because they did a bang-up job getting to Acadiana, shutting the school down, locking it down, finding apparently somebody who was near the school campus with multiple guns, including an AR-15 in his car. Locking the school down, keeping them safe, especially the day after what happened in Nashville. Kudos to our law enforcement locally for knowing what to do. Kudos to the Metro Nashville police. You see the video now. They got in quickly. They found the assailant. They they shot her, took her down. Frankly, the cops in Uvalde, Texas, need to watch that footage every single freaking day. But we can have all these debates on policy, but nobody wants to have, just like nobody wants to talk about the fentanyl problem. Nobody really seriously making policy wants to talk about the fentanyl problem. We as a society don't want to talk about the absence of moral guidance. Evil is evil. We refuse to address it. Now, because of the lack of that moral guidance, you have people that are actually trying to justify it in the mainstream media by saying, well, you know, Tennessee is pushing some very aggressive anti-trans legislation. Yet one NBC News reporter said, by the way, Nashville is where the Daily Wire's headquarters. That's where uh, Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh and these other conservatives are. Yeah, go ahead and blame Ben Shapiro for some lunatic going to a school and killing three kids. That makes no sense. That right there is the absence of moral guidance to make those claims and not addressing the real problem, which is somebody who felt so isolated and so alone and so detached from the rest of reality and the humanity that they decided they the only way they could go out was by killing kids. And you have trans activists who were out there on social media and, and, and everywhere else saying, we will not be ignored. This person was ignored and they stood up for themselves. Well, killing kids is a hell of a way to make a stand. But when when morality is relative, which is the society we live in now, when morality is relative, there is basically no morality. And no morality means no guiding light here. And so people make these decisions. Well, I've got to take this stand for myself and my cause. I've, you know, I'm so isolated. I've got nowhere to go. Whatever the case may be, we ultimately end with this terrible situation where somebody goes into a school and starts firing on kids and adults. And at the end of the day, you can talk all the policy you want, all the rules you want to change. None of those rules changes. None of those law changes actually would make a damn bit of difference. Because the same people pushing for those rules changes are the people who are pushing for the moral relativism and moral decay that we're seeing in the first place. And then you can 
Go back and re-listen to everything I've just said when the podcast version of this show goes live at joecunninghamshow.substack.com. And you can go in and you can find it. And some people want to say that I am being anti-trans by saying all this. I have in no way been anti-trans. I am anti the idea that violence is the only way to make the trans community be heard and be respected. I am anti the idea that the trans identity is under is has a genocide being committed against it. I am anti the idea that it is okay to threaten to or even completely take any human life, much less a child's life. Because you're not, your identity is not being respected. That is the problem. 232-1542, if you want to call in and be part of the conversation when we get back. We'll have a couple minutes when we get back from this break. If you want to join in the conversation or send a message through the KPL app, I'll be back in just a moment right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. And speaking of uh, guns in schools, so we do have an update. This just came in a little while ago from the Scott Police Department. This is uh, the update to the Acadiana lockdown story because we have gotten some messages on the KPL app throughout the day asking about the lockdown. Acadiana High School was placed on lockdown after receiving a tip of a potential handgun on campus. Acadiana High School was on lockdown for approximately an hour using the school cameras. Uh, An 18-year-old Acadiana High student was identified as the potential student in question. That student had left the school in his vehicle uh, along with a 17-year-old juvenile. Both subjects were detained at a traffic stop and transported to the Scott Police Department. A search warrant was applied for the vehicle. Uh, was a, yeah applied for the vehicle. During the search, a rifle was located, and the student admitted that the firearm was his. No other firearm or weapons were located in the vehicle during the search. At no time did the student display, carry, or walk anywhere on Acadiana School Campus with any firearm. Also located during the search were uh, seven point or almost eight grams of marijuana as well as drug paraphernalia. So that is from the Scott Police Department. That student was booked in the Lafayette Parish Correctional Center because the student is 18. Uh Charged with illegal carrying of weapons on school property, possession of marijuana, possession of drug paraphernalia, contributing to the delinquency of a juvenile. So that is the story on what happened at Acadiana. Uh, Our news story up on the website will reflect this uh, in a little while. By the way, in more positive school news, I mentioned this yesterday. I'm going to keep mentioning it for the remainder of the week. Uh, The students of the Magnet Academy of Cultural Arts in Opelousas, uh, do have uh, the the creative writing students. It's a performing arts school. The creative writing students at that school have their annual poetry slam this week. It's on Thursday, six o'clock. For five dollars, you can go and watch a bunch of creative writers perform their poetry skits between acts. Things like they do a phenomenal job each and every year. Um, their teacher is my wife, so full disclosure there. Uh, this is, but this is for the benefit of the students. This is not about touting her or her program. This is for the students who are, again, 
phenomenal at what they do. So I highly recommend you go and check out that show again Thursday night, 6 o'clock, $5 to get in. Tell them that your favorite talk show on News Talk 96.5, KPEL, was where you heard about the show. All right, that's it for me. I'm going to take a 23-hour break, and I will be back. uh, 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 Sorry, words. I will be back tomorrow. Told you guys I was tired. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and, of course, the podcast, all of my writings up at JoeCunninghamShow.substack.com. Email if you want to reach out, Joe at RedState.com. I'm going to be back tomorrow. Shannon is offside with Old School Nerd in the studio. Coming up in just a moment, right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.